The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan and now back to the podcast save big money on plant protection supplies now at Menards defend your garden with triazicide insect killer it's fast acting formula protects lawns vegetables and many other plants it kills more than 260 insects by contact above and below ground choose from ready to spray concentrate or granular save big money on triazicide insect killer at Menards and check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Hi, everybody. Have you heard of Instacart? If you have not heard of Instacart, I don't know where you have been living because it saved my life. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I can get my stuff delivered to my house. And if you go to judgingmegan.com forward slash Instacart, you will get $35 off of your first order if you've never ordered before. So I would say get on there right now and skip your trip to the grocery store. Well, hello, everyone. Um, you are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. So I want to start today's episode to talk about my dear husband that has been with me for over 20 years of my life. Last night, after I watched the beginning of Sex in the City, the new series, whatever it's called, As You Like It or whatever it is, I'm going to bring in my guest in a minute to talk about that. Um, I was going upstairs at the end of the night because I always go to bed before my husband and um, I'm, I I go to bed early and I wake up early. I have to. But I asked him as I was going up the stairs, I asked him how much he loved me on a scale of one to 10. And he told me a six and a half. So um, I would like to bring him in right now to discuss this. Ron, would you like to hop on the microphone briefly? Yeah, get closer, get closer. (laughs) Um, I would like you to explain to my audience why you rated um, your love for me as a six and a half. 
uh, because that's what I was feeling at the time. And, and love is not always a 10. Sometimes it's a six and a half. I find I it could I, have been a five. You're lucky. I'm extremely offended. I, I don't even know what to say, how I ever would have been rated a six and a half. Well, I think that before the dog that, that, that tortures us, uh-huh. maybe it was higher. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. You know, some, okay. Some days it's, some days it's a seven. Oh boy. Okay. Well, you can leave now because now I'm taking your rating down to a two. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that is, um, that is 20 year plus years of being together. Um, all right. 20 years ago it was higher. It was. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring in my guest right now, Melissa, Melissa Bright. (laughs) Hi, Melissa. How are you? Hi, I'm trying to like not say anything. And that was just the funniest thing I have ever got to witness ever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's tw- 20 years of passionate love. And yeah, long, long t- but I was quite offended that I was only raining at a six and a half last night. I was really thinking I would be at least an eight, but no. Not at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, he makes a good point. 20 years is a hell of a long time. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. Well, we're going in. <laughs> we're actually in our 21st year. So okay. we've been married. I think I don't even know how long we've been married. I think we're ma- we've been married 12 years and we've been together 21. So we got That's amazing. Been together since our 20s. Yeah. We're, yeah. We. Yeah. It's a whole thing, but thankfully very happy most of the time. Although now I'm just a six and a half and I've moved him down to a two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to talk to you, Melissa, before we start talking about your story and how fabulous you are about, cause I saw you nod about the beginnings of the sex in the C- sex in the city series, which is called, what is it called? This is life or. I don't know what it's called. It, it just popped up on my smart TV yesterday as like one okay, of the... Have you wa- did you watch it yet? No, I haven't. All I did, I'm going to be completely honest, I have not watched it yet, but the the three girls that are on there, um, Sarah Jessica looked the same, the other girl looked the same, but the one that was like kind of timid that has gray hair now, it took me a minute to like, which one was she? Um, because Miranda. she had... Miranda. She had changed so much. Okay, so, so yeah. here's the thing. I'm all for like positive body image, changing, aging, all of that stuff. Although I openly talk with my audience about how I do a lot of stuff to my face and I'm not throwing in the towel and shopping at Chico's. I talk about it a lot. <laughs> um, I was like, had a countdown basically because I was a super fan of Sex in the City and okay. I could not wait to watch this. And I love Carrie Bradshaw, like huge, huge fan, love Sarah Jessica Parker, but I turned it on and I was so disappointed. It was like, I mean, it was like when they did that 90210 revival and everyone was Uh, like, Oh, I'm so excited. Like, can't wait. And then you watched it and you were like, Oh no, what happened? I'm only halfway through, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so sad. I'm so sad. I just, I think it's like, you can't bring back something perfect, like at the perfect time. Right. Right. Like it was the perfect time. It was like, Samantha's gone. So like without Samantha, it's really weird. And anyways, I could get into it for an hour. I could do an entire podcast about my love of sex in the city. I do love the, that, 
they do show them, you know, and talk, kind of talk about aging and um, Miranda's like in the beginning talks about like, well, should I go, go with the gray hair? I won't, I'm only halfway through the episode, but I do like that. And if you decide to go gray, I think that's awesome. I, however, don't think I will ever do that. I'll be like, one of those ladies like <laughs> that has purple hair in like a nursing home because it'll be like colored so many colors that it won't be able to be a color anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. I would like to welcome you to my podcast. I am so beyond thrilled to have you on. So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I just talked to you literally three days ago. I, I feel like we've known each other forever. I'm excited. I know. To be I here. love it. I love it. So <laughs> Melissa is um is also a podcaster. Her podcast is The Bright Side of Life. And what I love about it is she has also incorporated her last name into her podcast. So mine is Judging Megan. Hers is the bright side of life and her last name, her name is Melissa Bright. So who doesn't love, why wouldn't I love her even more for that? Because I think it's fantastic. Um, We are also kind of in the same lane. We both um, are huge mental health advocates. And anytime that I can get somebody on my show to talk about their own story and share what they've overcome and how they've kind of come out the other side, or even if they're working through it, I love that. And when I recorded with her, I just, we, um, we, it's, and it's a funny story. We kind of talked about it when I was on her, uh, on her show, when we recorded last week or in the beginning of this week, how we would like, we followed each other. Cause we, we met each other through something called clubhouse, which we both really aren't on anymore, but uh-uh. we would like see each other's posts and be like, Oh, I like, like each other's posts and maybe comment on each other's posts. And then it took like months and months and I don't know what happened, but we were like, I really like you one day. And you were, (laughs) I think I was like, I really like what you do. And you were like, I really like what you do. And then it just, and then we met and we like each other and we're friends now. So that's how it works. Right. Yep. I love it. Social media is awesome. Sometimes Sometimes. the other times it sucks, (laughs) but it is so like, that's the thing. I had an expert come on, um, Dr. Tracy Bennett to talk about, uh, the safety of social media is kids safe. Um, like having kids be safe and the iPads and all this stuff and how terrifying social media can be. But then there's also so many good things about it too. Right. Right. Yep. Um, but Melissa, I would like to kind of just get you to open up and tell your story, um, starting from the very beginning, if you're okay. Um, where are you from? Where like, Let's start from the beginning. I always feel like um, Fraulein Maria. In, oh my God, I right? was just about to sing the song. Yeah, like, let's start from the very beginning. <laughs> One of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, favorite movies ever. Me too. Um, and we just harmonized really, really I know, well. So I know. Maybe we should also start a band on the side, podcasters <laughs> and also bandmates. Um, we have the mics, so let's do I know, it. I know, I know. Um, but on a serious note, I would love for you to kind of tell your story. I know it's not always easy. You've gone through a lot of stuff as well in your life, but, um, I would love for you to start with your, um, kind of bio and where you're from. 
Yeah. So we'll start out the easy part. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and haven't always lived here. I moved around a lot when I was younger. Uh, my parents were divorced like when I was in second grade, and my mom thought she was in love with the guy. Went to Portland, Oregon for like seven months, then moved back to St. Louis, and I lived with my dad. So switched on and off a little bit. Uh, and then I stayed with my mom a majority of the time. We'll go to the next biggest event in my life. That was when I was 16. I got pregnant with my daughter. That was not on purpose. And um, that was a really obviously big time in my life. My mom and I were close before we had a good relationship. But once you get pregnant at 16, like you don't hide anything from your mom anymore. Like she obviously knows you've had sex now. So everything is out the door. And that just really brought us close. My mom hadn't had a grandchild yet. I was the first one. I have an older brother. He's seven years older than me. Um, so originally, she's like, I'm disappointed, but I'm going to help her. She literally went home from the hospital of finding out I was pregnant to make a baby book for me because she hadn't made one yet. So she got was disappointed and then like immediately became excited. So... Me and my mom got really, really close then. And then um, skipping forward to the next milestone, I was 25 and my daughter was 10. And then my mom was diagnosed with COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder from smoking. Um, And she ended up passing away eight short months after her diagnosis. And for me... That was extremely hard for several reasons. One, she was my best friend. Two, she was my mom. Three, she was my absolute biggest support system for my daughter. Um, I had broke up with my daughter's dad our senior year, my senior year. So I was a single mom by choice. And I just lost my support system. My real dad wasn't in my life. He didn't even live in the same state. And I really felt lost. Um but I felt like I was doing good with her death. And then uh, it's actually called denial. That's what I was doing. I wasn't doing good. Mm -hmm. So I developed debilitating anxiety for about 10 years. Didn't realize what it was. I knew what it was. I didn't know why. And then I kept asking myself why, like noticing when these things happen. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And I realized my anxiety came when life was so, so damn great. It was happening in those great moments because I was scared at any second that my daughter, my boyfriend, my family could be ripped away from me and I'm not prepared for it. It's like I got to be on guard 24-7. Um, I, le- I, I know that we talked about because you interviewed me earlier in the week. We have a lot minus the um, which I want to dig into the getting <laughs> the daughter at 16, which yeah. um, the, I don't know how people are able to do that. And, but then your mom going through the battle for eight months, when we just talked about my dad for nine months and how quickly it's taken away. But then we also lead the parallel life of panic attacks and anxiety. And I told you this, where I would sit in my closet and be terrified, even if my life was going good, that something was going to be bad. And that I was the same way. And I find that so interesting that we both are like that, right? Yeah. 
Well, especially because people have different people have anxiety for so many different types. Some people it's like, I can't be in a crowd full of people. I don't put me in a crowd full of a million people. That doesn't bother me. My anxiety has nothing to do with that. It's always about, I cannot have the guarantee that now the most people that are close to me that are still living on this earth won't be ripped away from me. Um, And that's a really hard pill to swallow. And, you know, my boyfriend's tried to tell me like, you're really taking away the joyful moments by worrying so much because you literally don't have control. And I'm like, I understand that. I get it. But that doesn't make it any easier. Um, So I'm, it's something that I'm really trying to work on. Um, I understand it's, it's, um, I think I was really so much like that because I was like, would lose somebody I said like once a decade or something would go wrong. Yep. And then I think in the past two years, I started to like, I don't know if it was like the combination of therapy and I know we're both huge advocates of therapy and willing to do whatever we need to do to get ourselves like mentally in the space to, you know, be the best people and have the most healthy outlook on life that we can. We've talked about that. So I think that I got to a place where over the past couple years, I wasn't afraid. I am still terrified of losing somebody, but I wasn't afraid like I was before where I would have these like crazy ink panic attacks and anxiety attacks when I would drive on the freeway. And I would be Mm. like, well, what if my car just went off of the side of the road? Like, yeah those kinds of thoughts all the time. And then I don't know what it is or flying in an airplane. I would go, what the plane and my mind would race and say, the plane's going to go down. The plane's going to go down. And then I started talking to myself and going, there's like uh, thousands of flights in the air at all times. And (laughs) I start to like talk myself out of it. So, but I find it interesting and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I wanted to say something about how we were so parallel in that, in that way of thinking. And it stems, it stems back for some reason to like loss and yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's our, it's like our worst nightmares have came true. You've lost your dad and your best friend. I've lost my mom and we haven't got to the second part, but now my dad. So like no parents living here on this earth. Um, I'm 36 years old. They were gone by the time I was 35. Like what? That what? I would have never have thought in a million years that this would, that would be my life, you know? So two nightmares have came true that I thought could happen. And I think that's what it is. It's like, okay, now I'm constantly on alert, always thinking something bad's going to happen. And and when did you lose your dad? My dad passed away this year in January after he he literally went in for a um, heart transplant transplant and a kidney transplant at the same time. Double. They did the heart transplant. It was somewhat successful, but apparently they had to like keep the heart out of him for a little bit. I don't know. I didn't get to be there. And then they did the kidney transplant and then his body just wasn't strong enough to... Yeah. So, so that, so that all makes sense. Cause this pain is all so fresh, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And his, his was a different kind of pain. Him and I weren't close. So that's what made it harder is because he had just moved back to Missouri. He retired and I hadn't got to see him yet because of freaking COVID. Um, And I really thought I was going to finally get to have the relationship that I've always wanted with my dad. He hasn't lived in Missouri since I've been 10 and here he is back. Oh my God, this is our chance. This is our chance. I will do whatever it takes. He lives three hours away. I will drive down there all the time and nope, didn't, didn't get to happen. You felt robbed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. It's interesting how we like as people always kind of think, Um, we have more time, you know, like we Mm -hmm. have more time, like with, um, like anyone on this planet and we, it, life is so precious and short and we don't. And, um, but it's not necessarily our fault, you know, or your fault, obviously with your dad, but I'm just so sorry to hear that because, um, it's, it's difficult to feel that way. And then you have it makes sense why you're feeling like anxiety and panic about like losing, you know, the people that you still have left on this planet. Right. You want to cling onto them so hard because you know what it's like to go through that loss. And I've been there actually. And to be honest with you, um, yeah, it go, it comes in and I think about it, but not like I, it, I did. And I don't, know why if it's just like talking through things but I think that that's something that you can work through which oh, is, yeah which is great right yeah I got a, a really good grasp on it once I started therapy for mm-hmm. my therapist to tell me what exact what exactly anxiety is what it's doing to your body the fight flight or freeze thing that goes on with it and like how you can rationally talk yourself down and ask myself like Melissa it, are you really, really in fear? Like, is there a bear like charging at you or are you just sitting here on your couch and the rational, logical thinking sometimes does help to be like, no, nothing is currently happening around me. Although my body is saying something's going on, something's going to happen. Uh, so it, it definitely helped to hear a professional say like, these are all normal feelings. This is exactly what anxiety is supposed to make you feel. And it's, yeah, uh, it it definitely helps to hear a professional say like, it's okay. This is what anxiety is. And this is how we can help it. Um, I have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. So I am on medication. Um, I don't want it to be my forever answer, but yeah, if I can get to a place where I can handle other things and get through my other trauma, then why not kind of buy some time if that makes sense? We're the same person, you and I. Yeah. No, because <laughs> I, um, I, same thing. I was not put on Zoloft because I was having debilitating panic attacks, which yeah. I've talked about. And I, I recently weaned myself off of it. And I, knock on wood have not had any I hate to say that because it freaks me out that they're gonna I know back. you don't want to you know, jinx like, it you're like yep. oh no all of a sudden in the middle of the night I start having them yeah um but I want to go backwards a little bit and talk about being getting pregnant at 16 that's so young you were a baby 
I was. What, like, <laughs> what was that like? I don't think I've ever had a guest come on my show that's talked about the subject before. Yeah. Um, so here is a thing that I will say is usually, and this is really bad, when people say that they had their kid at 16, I feel that most people think that, oh, she must have been promiscuous. She must mm-hmm. have been a partier. She must have been out all the time. Nope. I was a straight A student, 4.0 GPA, played volleyball, played basketball, ran track. Um, sex does not discriminate. You, mm. If you're not practicing safe sex, you run the chance of getting pregnant. And that's what happened. So um, I guess you could say I was one of the quote unquote popular kids in, in school. Um, so it was very surprising when people found out that I was pregnant. And then all these girls started coming to me like... Do you think I could be pregnant? Well, this is what happened. How how did it happen? And at that time at 16, you really, at least for me, I was not talking about it. My friends did not know I was having sex. All these girls came came to me like, this happened. Do you think I could be pregnant? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but once once we found out, like we I talked to the principal. He's like, are you going to stay in school? And I'm like, yes. And it wound up being the best thing. I literally made homecoming court the year I had my daughter. I was on homecoming court. Um, so if if it, it was really good, all of my friends, the whole school was really supportive. I mean, I would dress my daughter. We would go to the basketball games, football games. She would wear onesies that were like decked out in our school colors and everything. Um so I really had the support of the school and the town and my friend's parents and everything. So people, people were supportive of you. Was there ever um, a thought of like, I hate to bring in like termination, <laughs> but was there ever a thought of like ending the pregnancy or was that just not even an option for you? Yeah. So my mom had to call my dad and she was really scared to call my dad um, because they were divorced and his words were make sure Melissa knows her options, um, which meant my dad, um, you can't tell, but I'm six feet. And he wanted me to like live out his dream of playing basketball. And I did not enjoy really playing basketball that much. So uh, on his end, yes. On my end, no. It, I, I at that point couldn't. Um, it was like, no, the only option is is to have her. And uh I am so glad I did. She's now 19. She's my absolute best friend in the entire world. Everybody thinks we look like sisters because she's six feet just like me. And my mom got to have a grandkid for 10 years before she passed away because that was her only one before she passed away. So I I think everything happens for a reason and um, really, really helped my mom. She was with her every weekend and I think it was supposed to happen this way. Yeah, I agree. I love hearing that. Um, I say it a lot that everything does happen for a reason. And I actually have a friend that same thing. She had a daughter at 16. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think her choice was she wouldn't have made any other decision. Mm-mm. It was not easy for her because she was in a Catholic school and that's oh, her story yeah. to tell. But um. I, th- I think that that's amazing. And I think that I love hearing that your mom got that time and, and it made your mother and you closer. And yeah. I just think that's so special and I love hearing yeah. it. Yeah. So tell it was me, awesome. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about, um, 
what that was like losing your mom. Cause I know we kind of like touched on it, but I just wanted to hear what your kind of like grieving process was like and how you dealt with that. And you were such a young parent and your husband yeah. wasn't in the picture at the time. And I think your dad still wasn't back in the picture. So how mm-hmm. were you able to, you were a single mother in your twenties raising uh, your daughter Yep. How, like, tell me a little bit about that. That must have been really difficult. Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is, you know, how my mom passed away was she did decide to go on hospice. She told me that, and I don't know all the details. I'm assuming the doctor said, it's not looking good for you. These are your options. And she decided to go on hospice, um, which she then had to break that news to me. That's, first of all, hard to process in the first place because we don't know if hospice means you're going to be living 10 years or you're going to be living three weeks. Well, for her, it was about two months after she decided to go on hospice. Um, And so it just, I mean, rapid, rapid decline. So when she did pass away, um, I was there. My daughter was there. Her husband, my my stepdad was there. Um, It was almost like divine timing. Like I was all the way in St. Louis got there. Um, to be honest, I worked as a server at a restaurant. So when she first passed away, I was, I buried myself in work. Um, I, I didn't drink because she was gone. Cause I, my mom was a recovering alcoholic and I, I knew better, but I just always stayed busy. And I just always thought I'm doing good. I don't really cry about my mom. I think about her sometimes, but when I look back it was because I did not process what was happening. I just stayed busy and I compartmentalized it and I pushed it somewhere where I didn't have to deal with it. For my daughter, my daughter actually wound up going to live with her dad in Colorado because he was military and he had just moved back from Germany and he wanted a chance to raise her. Um, At that time, him and I had a good relationship. So there was no reason to say no to him other than me being selfish and I wanted her to myself. So I said, no, this might be a good time for you to go while mom, my mom just passed away. Um, so she, everybody always asks, well, how did she deal with your mom dying for me? And her answer was just now, I actually just asked her this in the last week was she goes, I don't, since I was gone, I don't really remember how you were. She goes, I see you more now and your anxiety when I moved back with you and how much that affected you. Um, but it, it really wasn't until COVID that my mom, her, me dealing with it, like all came to a head. I was watching fried green tomatoes with my daughter, thought oh, I was going to be okay. Yeah. Cause it was a me and my mom movie thought I was, uh-huh. it's fine. Trinity asked, she's like, mom, we don't have to watch it. I'm like, it's fine. It was not fine. I bawled my eyes out. My daughter leaves. She's like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, Yeah. No, I called my boyfriend in and I'm like, I can't do this. I want to talk to my mom so bad. And he's like, you, we've got to get you into therapy. So that was a night. He literally signed me up for, <laughs> for better help online. And that's it. That's what I did. And I'm so happy I did to talk to a professional. Um, so if I can say anything about that whole thing is no matter how much you try to push this down or avoid it or not process your emotions, I'm telling you it will come back no matter what. It could take 10 years, but it's going to come back. And if you don't process your emotions and deal with them. 
I talk about it all the time. Yeah, no, same thing. Um, the grieving process is a interesting thing and it, it's, it's kind of like a weird shadow that like goes like, you know, you can push it down. I kind of ignored my loss of like, I told you my best friend. Yeah. I, I was like, you know, she's gone. My dad, I lost my sister, lots of loss, but I dealt with each loss in different ways, which I think sounds like maybe you did as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, I don't think that anybody that goes through grieving wants to go through it. Right. It's not like you're like, <laughs> no, I want to go through the seven <laughs> stages of grief. Right. Number one. And then you kind of like are like, here I am here at present in number one <laughs> denial, like all of the things that you go through. You could end up staying in the stage one of denial for like yeah. seven years and not yeah. even know that you're in the stage one of denial. Yep. Um, but when you it's going to come, mine came to me in like a really not fun way, like sounds like you but I told you the whole story with the friend situation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I believe that COVID brought so many people. It brought people to a head of being like, I don't know if they questioned be like their life and like how long we have on this planet. And I think a lot of people came to the same conclusion that you probably did where it's like, I have to step up to the plate. And then yeah. I love that you got yourself into therapy. And then I also want to ask you, how, why did you decide to become a podcaster? How did that happen? Because I think you, like me, started your podcast during COVID, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So um, right around the same time, Fried Green Tomato Movie was like in June or July. So mm-hmm. that was that therapy, June or July um, I was a travel agent before before the great COVID, I guess you can say. Well, during COVID, people weren't traveling. I was making $0, staying at home, um, and I was like, felt like shit because I wasn't contributing to my family. And so I said, okay, if I have all this time on my hands, I'm really going to start figuring out something. So I actually listened to Jay Shetty's podcast on purpose. He had Deborah Messing and one of her business partners, I think her name is Madonna, Madonna, not that Madonna. Anyways, they described how they found their purpose. I don't know if it was Deborah Messing or her business partner. And she said, I found my purpose by looking out into the world and asking myself what makes my heart hurt. And then when I found out what made my heart hurt, I would then say, okay, so what am I going to do about it to solve the problem, make the world a better place, help the world? So when I asked my, I was like, is that that easy to find my purpose? So when I looked out into the world and what made my heart hurt was knowing that there were other people alone in this world in their struggles, in their depression, in their whatever they're going through. Because at that moment, when I was so upset about my mom, I felt extremely alone. I had my daughter, I had my boyfriend but my mom, my daughter didn't hasn't lost her mom. I'm still here. My boyfriend hasn't. They just don't get it as much as somebody that's lost their parent. So then, okay, I, I know what hurts my heart. Now what am I going to do about it? Well, I want to have conversations with people. I've always been so intrigued on how people got from point A to point B, why they're successful, why they're struggling. I, I love being relatable, not relatable. 
um, you and I connect on so many different levels. If you and I were to pass each other in the grocery store, we would maybe not know that. But as soon as you say that you've dealt with loss and grief almost all of your life, boom, now we're connected. So um, I wanted to have conversations with people and podcasting was going to be the way because I love podcasts all the way from Jay Shetty to Joe Rogan to true crime. I always listen to podcasts. So that's how the bright side of life came to be. It was to talk about struggles and how people got back to their, the bright side of life, whatever that means for them. I love that. I mean, I think that that's, it sounds like in line with the mission, we're on a similar path, like I said. And I think that there's so many, there's so much like um, anger and like hatred and pain that's happening in the world right now. And I think if more people just talked about what's happening with their mind and their brains and their wounds, we wouldn't be in the position where we're dealing with all of this stuff that's just crazy and happening like on a daily basis, it seems like. But um, I think that I think that it's so important that we just continue to get more and more people to get on board and talk about it. I think I, when you interviewed me, I talked about it like kind of like a fire, like the more like somebody lights a match and the fire starts to burn and then like more people talk about it, at least there's a way to continue to like get people on board with like changing things for the better. Maybe like, I think that's Pollyanna, but whatever it is, what it is. I will say, um, quick story. Yesterday I went to the princess Diane exhibit in, um, Santa Monica, Santa Monica, California. And I did this episode last week with this woman, Maeve and her brother is, homeless and she's trying like he's bipolar trying to get him off the streets um I was texting with her yesterday it's like a whole thing and it's so sad um but so there's a lot a lot of homeless people all over the streets of Venice and Santa Monica and it's so sad to see and then I was kind of thinking about I don't know it was like I do you ever have those days where you're like everything's like you're like sad, but then you're happy and you're like, I want to make changes, but then you're like, how do I make a change? And then I went into this exhibit and I was kind of in a weird place and I walked around and there were all these pictures of Princess Di. Um, There was one of her um, holding hands with an AIDS patient. And back then that was one of the, that was huge because right. it was not okay to hold right. the hand of an AIDS patient. This was when people were like, you can't kiss somebody yeah. or like hold a fork of somebody that has AIDS or swim in the same pool. Right. Mm-hmm. And she said, yep. no, I'm going to hold his hand. Or she, there were pictures of her like going in orphanages and like, you know, just like holding, um, like, you know, people were in dying in hospice. And it just reminded me like what an amazing human being it was and or she was, sorry. And how like all of this stuff like doesn't matter, like all the stuff that's going on in the world. And then it just kind of like I went, I was up last night and I did this post about my dad because last the, in the beginning of the week, I never really think about my dad and cry. And I cried when you asked me about my dad on the podcast. Yeah. 
So I was like, all of this was like connected. And then I knew you were coming on today. And it's just like, I love the fact that like, you're like to be on a path to better the world and make people like accountable for their behavior and like all the things that you're doing. I just wanted to say that. And I'm sorry for such a long winded story. I tend to do that a lot. (laughs) Oh my Um, gosh. I love the princess die story. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I mean, she's, she was like, you forget because you, you kind of like, you know, you don't really think about those things. And I remember even I, it was like one of those things you're younger than me, but when she died, I was at, I was at a wedding. I was like a teenager and I was at my, I was actually at Julie's sister's wedding when she passed. And I remember it was like one of those things, like you will never forget where you were. Mm -hmm. And then you Mm -hmm. also forgot like what, what a kind, good person she was. And then they always say only the good die young. And she really was, you could tell a really good person. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, that's my long winded tangent that I wanted to go off on. Um, <laughs> where can you tell me like where you are today and like some of the things, like I know that you're dealing with, like you're in therapy, you're um, like, tell me about like what your podcast, like like what the direction where it's going and like some of the things that you're doing today. Yeah. So, well, I'm right in the middle of my healing journey from all the stuff that is, that has happened. So um, that's been interesting. My healing journey, not just to heal of losing my parents, but my, um, I don't, I don't like to talk about this a lot because I feel like my dad's with me and I feel like he's tired of me like bashing him. But my dad was really hard on us as little kids. Nothing was ever good enough, right enough. Um, couldn't play basketball. Good at, like nothing was ever good enough. Um, so now that has made me an extreme perfectionist. I say sorry for everything. And well, now I try to get in a relationship with a man that I've been with for five years now. And I've, I've, so many bad qualities from me being raised by my dad has came out in my relationship. Um, Being the people pleaser, hating to disappoint, I get super angry because now I feel like I've just upset my boyfriend and I have to earn his love and attachment issues, abandonment, all this stuff. So if I can say anything, the healing journey is like forever. And if you really want to change and better yourself and heal, it's a continuous thing. You're going to go 10 steps back and then five steps forward and then back and then F up some more and then go back and then be good. Um, It's continuous in terms of the healing journey. But I'm willing to do it to have healthy relationships and to break generational trauma and all this stuff. Um, So as far as my podcast I have people that share their stories of struggles and pain, but I also bring on experts to kind of talk about this. I feel one of the biggest aspects to mental health is educating yourself because if you're not even aware that you might have a problem, um, and I don't want to say problems. I don't know how to say it, but if you know something's not right, why do I always fly off the handle when, when somebody says something? Well you got to really ask yourself, why did I do that? And the deeper question is because you either feel like you disappointed in them. So you have to do something. There's always a reason and it's much deeper than what you think. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, educating people on mental health. So there's two folds. It's 
I want people to hear inspirational stories, but I also want them to be able to listen to experts and to say, oh man, is this, this sounds similar to something that I have. I had Adam Lane Smith, who is an attachment expert. Uh, I learned right then at the age of 36 that I have attachment issues. Didn't know that for 36 years. Here I now know why I function the way I do and how I feel like I have to earn everybody's love because I didn't get that when I was little. Um, So the bright side of life is just to have people with motivational and inspirational stories, but also have experts to help people that are still struggling with their healing journey. Um, I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the thick of it, of my, of my healing journey. (laughs) That's where I'm at right now. But don't you think, I love what you said, but we're all works in progress. Like, I think that I'm going to be in therapy. I joke with Dr. Nay for the rest of my life. She's probably like, oh God, like, I don't want to be your therapist forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I really, and I think I talked to you actually earlier in the week about EMDR and I'm going to be like one of those people in a desert um, doing like peyote or whatever. I I'm willing like dance naked and like fire circles, like whatever I have to do to, um, you know, we're both moms. I don't want to pass along my trauma, especially because my kids are younger, but like my 11 year old and my seven year old, I find myself doing things and saying things. And I'm like, uh, uh, like, don't, don't do that. (laughs) Like, why are you doing that? Do not do that. That's going to mess them up. And I think like, let's be honest, most people were not perfect, but you, you also have to know, like there's, we're all here. And I say this a lot. It's a, this is just what I believe. It's a big test, right? You have a series of tests that you have to go through on this planet to get to the other side. The other side is different for everybody. Um, right. I believe for me, it's like the mo- it's like the Broadway show Cats, and <laughs> I am like Grizabella, and I'm going to go to the heavy side layer, and there's going to be like a bunch of. Ca- I'm joking, but not really. Um, but you know, it's different. Everybody has their own thing, but like you said, I think you said this like a little while ago, where you're boyfriend and your sister or sorry your daughter don't understand the kind of like processing or grief that you're going through and Mm -hmm. I kind of I I can relate to that so much because my husband although we've been together for and I'm a six and a half right now um and he's a two but we've been together for so long Um, And we love each other so much, but he, it drives me nuts sometimes. And I have a lot of like anger and resentment towards him. I don't know if you feel the same way because he has never like knock on wood, God forbid, but he's never gone through like stuff, like stuff like I have, you know, like he's had a pretty good life thus far, like not a lot of loss. Like, and I think I sometimes feel really resentful towards people that have not. And I'm like, why, why me? Why me? Right. Do you feel, do you understand what I'm saying? And I think you touched on that a little while ago and I wanted to bring that up. I absolutely know what you're talking about. So I have a girlfriend, um, that has seemingly had this perfect life forever. Her parents are still married. Um, 
She went to college. She graduated. She landed her internship, landed the perfect job, travels all the time. She's single, all this stuff. And I, I've never been jealous of that, any, any of that stuff. But what I did realize, like looking back on her, looking back on our friendship, it was like, I felt that I wasn't worthy of our friendship because I had so much bad shit happen to me and she just wasn't there. She just, I don't want to say, I'm not saying she didn't have challenges, but we just weren't like, I I was a single mom. I was struggling with money. She wasn't struggling with money. She had bought a house. I was renting like just all these different opposites that I'm just like, how are we even friends? Like she's just, keeps going. And so maybe I like, I, I asked myself, did I remove myself from her because, because like subconsciously be, because life was just so damn good for her and everything was just so perfect. And that's just not how it was for me. Cause she's so bubbly and Hey, Melissa, how's it going? Life is so great. And life wasn't always easy for me. And I was struggled a lot and I like, didn't want to feel like the shitty friend that was just like, meh. And like bringing her down in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I understand, I definitely understand that. And in terms of like the resentment with my, like, I don't know if I resent him. Um, I'm almost grateful for him because he's like my, my rock because he doesn't really have the the mental issues that I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But of course I always wish that they could understand but then not have the same pain as you. Like I would never, obviously I don't want Trinity to know what it's like not to have mom or I wouldn't be here, but you no, just can't good, connect on that good, level. <laughs> yeah. It's a good point. I like, I like backpedaling. Cause I sound like I'm a total bitch right now. I would never want, no, <laughs> no I know don't. you get no, it. You I know you get it, but I would never have wanted anything, but it, Thank God my husband had the life that he did because when we met, he kind of swooped in and saved me. It sounds like right. you're in a yeah. similar situation. Um, and I don't know if he necessarily always wants to be saving me because he has a big job to do because I'm a ginormous pain in the ass. Um, but I'm high yeah. maintenance. Oh God. I, I define like I'm there. My picture's in the dictionary, I think for high maintenance. Yeah. So it's funny because my boyfriend's like, I'm not materialistic at all. He's like, Uh Melissa, he like, but that's, that's his love language is gifts. So he will spoil me rotten. And he's like, he goes, why can't you be the one that like literally wants everything? Cause he will buy me purses, roses, bottles of wine, candle all the time. Send them my way. Cause I'm the opposite. (laughs) I love stuff. Like I have so much stuff. I don't even know what I have. It's ridiculous. Uh, that's my, he like, says, how, that's my bandage. Yeah. To my wound is just oh my like, gosh. outfits. And I love, uh, yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Mine's um, alcohol, alcohol, buttery Chardonnay. Um, yeah. Melissa, I love having you on. Um, I just have one other question. I want to know like where you see yourself in five years and what you want to like, kind of like what your goals are. Yeah. Where I see myself in five years is I am a successful podcaster. I am making a full-time income from my podcast. And not that that's like my first goal, but it's what I want to do. And I want to help people and encourage them and not let them 
feel alone. I always use this analogy that I picture all kinds of different Melissa's out there in the world in different parts, and I want to reach every single one of them. So at some point in their day, they can know that they're not alone in their in their struggles, whatever that is. So in five years, I'm going to be a su- super successful podcaster. My own studio, having and interviewing all the people like Jay Shetty. <clears throat> Jay Shetty. Are you listening, Jay Shetty? That's where I'm <laughs> going to be in five years. I love that. Um, <laughs> and then do you believe in signs? I forgot to ask you this. I always ask people if they believe in signs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What is your sign for your like either your dad or your mom? So when my mom passed away, uh, it was a couple days after rainbows. Rainbows came out in St. Louis, Missouri on freaking 100 degree weather, no rain at all whatsoever. And there was rainbows that came out twice that week during her like funeral going to like plan everything twice. So now it's always, always, always rainbows. All the time. I love rainbows. Um, I was okay. So I want to tell my listeners where they can find you. So how do my listeners find you and tell me where, tell them where they can find your podcast as well. Yeah. So you can find everything at the bright side of life podcast.com. Literally all my socials, everything is on there. You can you can go there. And then, of course, I'm on all the listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, all that. Go check out I, The Bright Side I of Life. I love it. I love it, <laughs> Melissa Bright. I love your name. You are bright. I think you're awesome. I really quickly wanted to thank my listeners. I love, love, love your reviews on Apple if you're so inclined. Um, I truly appreciate them. I truly appreciate all of you. Also, if you're so inclined to go to my website, click on the um, buy me a Chardonnay button because we all know that I love a Chardonnay, specifically Ron Bauer. I'm not going to send it back if you send it my way. Not (laughs) just kidding. Not kidding. Um, And Melissa, I think you're awesome. I loved having you on today. I loved being on your podcast. I love that we're in the same lane. And I look forward to like the brightest future from you. And I see the most amazing things from you. And I hope to see like happiness and healing come your way. And I, and I think I love that you're working on yourself and that's all you can really do in this life. In closing, uh, my new outro is outro a word. Yeah, it is. Um, is for my daddy who's in heaven. And I talked to, about him. I posted something on judging Megan, my Instagram, if you want to check it out. Um, yesterday, um, I will always miss him. He was the funniest, best man on, on the earth. And I believe he passed when I was young because God needed him upstairs for some, for, for some help. I don't know what he's doing, but I miss him. And he, he's, did so much for other people. And he used to say, be happy by making others happy. So Melissa, keep doing what you're doing, making other people happy. And thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Megan. I had so much fun and I'm glad we're friends now. (laughs) Me too. me and
the beginning of the show, I hope you heard me because I'm going to tell you about something called Instacart. If you have never heard of Instacart, where have you been living? I mean, where are you living? Are you living under a rock somewhere? It is the most amazing thing I have ever experienced in my life. I'm not lying because I hate, well, I love to shop. Everyone knows I love to shop, but I hate to shop for groceries. Like I said, I don't want to see Brenda or Karen in the grocery store. This way I can avoid seeing them. I can avoid maybe running in my cart into their carts, maybe accidentally on purpose. And instead I get everything delivered to my house. Look out my ring video doorbell. And if you go to judgingmegan.com forward slash Instacart, you can get free delivery on any order over $35 if you're a first time user. So I'm not kidding. Go get the app. Go get, do you have an iPhone? Everyone has an iPhone. Get, except my mom. Pat maybe doesn't have an iPhone, but we're working on it. Get out your phone. Download Instacart. It's a lifesaver. And again, I don't want to see Brenda and neither do you. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.